This evening, we will, uh, Lord willing, meditate on two verses in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Proverbs 29, verse 25. And while you're turning there, just a few introductory comments on the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a collection of many sayings, most of them from King Solomon. Um, I think the first 29 chapters, so we're reading the last chapter of the sayings of Solomon, and then chapter 30 and 31 are from other uh, words from wisdom from other people. But uh, primarily Solomon instructing his son, as well as just general statements. And you'll find, of course, those of us that are familiar with the book of Proverbs, there's just so many statements that almost seem to be stand on its own, uh, one after another, or a few verses together seem to relate. Um, And so we'll look at verse 25 and 26 uh, this evening. Proverbs chapter 29. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. Let's stop our reading right there. The fear of man. The Bible speaks a lot about fear and encourages the fear of God and cautions and warns against the fear of man. And as humans, we have this tendency to uh, reverse those, uh, where we would fear man and not fear God sufficiently or in the right proportions. And the wisdom saying here is, The fear of man bringeth a snare. Another way to say that is to fear people is a trap. And it uh, traps people and entangles us in ways that we might not expect. Now, there's a number of different ways we could look at what the fear of man is. But this evening, we're going to look at a particular angle of the fear of man. And in particular, one characteristic that uh, we need to examine ourselves and see that if we have this characteristic, or shall we say weakness, to assert to whatever degree we may have it, we are more vulnerable to the fear of man. And that characteristic is insecurity. If we are not secure about who we are, about our calling, about our abilities, and in our relationships, then we are much more vulnerable to being afraid of people. Now, <clears throat> the fear of man, uh, Jesus talks about it in one sense, about uh, don't be afraid of persecution, and we'll look at that a little bit. But the primary way we'll look at the fear of man this evening is in terms of what will people think of me? Maybe we don't really think of that as a fear, but in a sense it is. It's a type of fear where we are afraid of people's opinion of us. And depending, and so we will adjust our behaviors in certain ways in order to gain the approval of people. And we do this uh, to a certain degree. There's a, a measure of healthy balance in that, of course. Um, but often it may be influencing us in ways that are not uh, necessary or actually even hinders our Christian 
calling. Often, uh, maybe one way that that would uh, hinder us or affect us, um, sometimes for good or for ill, is even when you were getting ready for church tonight and you were selecting your clothes and maybe part of the opinion of what you were selecting is, well, what will people think of me if I wear this compared to this? Is maybe just one example that maybe crossed your mind uh, today as you were selecting uh, something, making the choice from your wardrobe. Many such decisions take place. If we look at a little bit more of the definition of the fe- this word fear, it can re- refer to anxiety, a type of trembling even, where inwardly there's this fear and uh, being afraid. And the word snare, how it ensnares us, is a trap or like a noose where it is set. And when the the particular uh, target is inside the noose, one pulls and captures what is inside the noose. And this is one of the tools of the enemy as he exploits this vulnerability in us, the fear of man or being concerned about what people think what people could do to us or what they would not do from us, what they would withhold from us, um, especially withholding approval or withholding a good opinion, withholding their acceptance. We may adjust our behaviors in order to gain approval of people. We crave that. And uh, it's, in a sense, in our brokenness, as this came from the fall, the first, shall we say, uh, insecurity and fear came when Adam and Eve sinned. And uh, since we have all sinned, we have this this measure of insecurity affects us as we feel that we don't measure up. And then we, of course, we have guilt. We feel inadequate. And this is what uh, Jesus came to address as uh, in the form of the good news of the gospel. He came to deliver us and save us from sin, from fear of death from fear of man, from the insecurities that is underneath a lot of that, which we will explore uh, this evening. And as we see, in the same verse is the um, answer to this problem. And this is common among the the Proverbs. It, It will present a particular problem or a warning, and then in the same verse or the following verse is the solution. Uh, the the remedy to this. And and verse 25 is exactly like that. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And we'll look at what it means to trust in the Lord. And so in terms of the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we need to place our trust in God for salvation, for his ability to save us for his atoning work on the cross that atones for our sins and place our trust in that. And that then works itself into every area of life of how we trust in God. The snare that comes is, in. we'll look at some of those snares as well, and, and how that uh, is tempting for us. And we become lured into a trap, things that we did not expect just because we are afraid of people or we become lured into doing things to gain approval. And then we make compromise, sometimes moral compromises uh, and so forth that become a trap. So we'll look at three particular areas 
of our insecurity, as I touched on them earlier. Security in our identity, security in our abilities and calling, and security in our relationships. Let's begin with identity, about who am I? This is very, this is so core of and affects everything of how we live, how we think of ourselves, how we live, how we behave. And so in order to combat insecurity about who we are, uh, we need to place our trust in Jesus and believe what he says about us. In Genesis, as God has created man, he says he created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. So the first thing is a very strong, uh, powerful declaration of value and identity of who we are. That is in contrast to what the culture, the godless culture, the anti-God culture uh, would tell us about our value. As in, we are just another mammal among many other hundreds of uh, species of mammals or kinds of animals. Uh, we're just another one that has evolved higher up the, the chain of evolution, so to speak, and become more intelligent. But other than that, there is no different intrinsic value uh, to a human life than to any particular animal, other than maybe what other humans would attribute to that value. And that's a very weak foundation in order to build one's life and value on. God tells us right at the beginning of creation that human is different than animal. Yes, there's many similarities in, in, in uh, even in DNA and bodily function and all kinds of comparisons can be made between humans and animals, uh, certainly. Uh, God uh, created wonderful things in their design and, and copied the elements of those designs in many different areas of creation. But as far as from a place of value and importance, he places human life at the top. Jesus came to redeem humans for eternal life, not animals, is another example of how much value he places upon us. Uh, we are valued if we look at how Jesus describes it in uh, Matthew, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 12. And he describes this in terms of uh, being afraid. But I say unto you, my friends, this is uh, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 4. Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. So he's describing, don't be afraid of persecution. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him after which hath killed, uh, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So there's the contrast. Don't fear man, fear God, because God is much more powerful. And then he gives a comparison of value. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? God even knows and keeps track of Low-value animals like sparrows. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. So again, a statement. Don't be afraid. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. And in verse 32 of the same chapter. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
So these statements of value of how much Jesus values us. If we go back to the account of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became ashamed. They were, they recognized that they were naked. They were shamed. They wanted to cover themselves, found ways to do that. And then, so we enter this element of shame and how it plays into insecurities as we feel maybe ashamed of who we are, ashamed of our insecurities, ashamed of whatever causes us to be insecure. And uh, it's important to note then, that the intent of shame, shame has its intention, and that is, when you sin, to bring that to your attention. Be ashamed of what you have done and motivate unto repentance. And Jesus came to deliver us from guilt and shame, the Bible tells us. But the enemy can twist that into being ashamed of your identity and ashamed of who you are and ashamed of how God made you, perhaps, or ashamed of your disabilities or inabilities. And that would be an exploitation where the enemy uses shame in the wrong way. Trust in the Lord in order to overcome that shame. If we look at a little bit more this element of uh, being trapped, when we fear or look for people's approval, you will be tempted to sin or compromise in ways to gain acceptance. And we'll look at more of that in, in the area of relationships that happens, especially uh, towards uh, youth and so forth. So pay attention uh, when we get there, those that are youth here. We are loved by Jesus. This is an important identity statement uh, that he loves us tremendously. And when we think of the, the, the conversation that Jesus had with what is known as the rich young ruler. As he came to him, uh, the ruler came to Jesus and said, Good master, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And this one account in Mark, uh, we see Jesus having a bit of a pause. He doesn't just jump into the answer, doesn't jump into responding. It just says, Jesus beholding him loved him. Now, I can't imagine... We try to imagine what that exchange looked like, that such that the observers could record this as fact, as, as witnesses to this conversation, as Jesus behold him, looking at him, loved him. And that's true for everyone that is here. Jesus looks at you and loves you and cares tremendously about you, much more than you can even imagine, much more than any human, including your parents, care for you. Jesus loves you. That's a tremendous statement about your value and about your identity. The book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has beautiful statements about identity in Ephesians chapter 1, as he's describing in, in, in introductory terms, as he writes this letter to the uh, church in the city of Ephesus, or in that region, and he tells them how special they are as people of God. And we'll look at that, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. So notice this language here about how precious we are, that he hath chosen us in him, meaning in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us, 
unto the adoption of children. So there's an identity. When someone is adopted, their identity changes. As So those of us that are believers here, we have a change of identity that has been given to us because of our adoption in Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, he delights to do this. He doesn't consider it um, a duty or hard work. He delights to do this. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Notice here this statement of accepted. If you are a believer, you are a child of God, you are accepted by God. You don't have to look to do strange things in order to gain acceptance. That's one of the uh, lies of the enemy, as we all want approval and acceptance of people. But the fact that you are adopted as a child of God, you are accepted by him. And so this is an invitation for those who are not believers, who are not children of God, and long to be accepted. You can be accepted by God. He loves you and desires to adopt you into his family. Believe, repent, and believe, and trust in him. There's much more depth in the the statement of the Ephesians here about our security in him, and you can meditate on that in your own time. Uh, Let's uh, move on to another statement in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Verse 15, similar sentiments here. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So there's that word fear again. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Statement of identity of who do we belong to? Those that are believers. We belong to God and have this close, intimate father-child relationship. Don't have to go into fear, which is bondage. That connects to this idea of snare, of a trap. The whole purpose of a trap is to bring someone or something into bondage. As believers, we have been made free from bondage, as well as, of course, given the, shall we say, the equipping, the awareness, the tools of how to avoid becoming entangled again into bondage. Trust in the Lord as our security is in him. All of this in contrast to being preoccupied with, what will people say? What do people think of me if I do this, if I don't do this, if I go here, if I don't go here, if I say yes to this invitation, if I say no to the invitation, what will people say? And this, if this is a predominant uh, thought or driving force in your mind, um, even for believers, what will other believers say? What will people in the church say? What will That is not the predominant motivating factor of who we are or how we make decisions. If we do, that would be indication that you're entrapped, you are entangled in the fear of man, looking for people's approval. Turn to the Lord. Trust in the Lord he, You have his approval, the fact that you are his child, and he equips you and gives you that confidence, that security, that it doesn't matter what people think. If you are following what the Lord calls you to do, you're obeying the uh, living life according to the scriptures, you don't need to worry about what people think and what opinion they hold of you. 
Of course, this is not um, a license for overconfidence and uh, brashness and doing foolish things and saying, who cares what people think? Um, that's the, the other extreme, shall we say. Um, that's not what uh, we're speaking about this evening, of course. So that was the first category about uh, feeling secure or feeling insecure about our identity, who we are, and how Jesus ministers to that by giving us a new identity. And that is something we need to be reminded about on a daily basis. But let's move on to the next one, about our abilities. And we're going to connect that into our calling as a believer. We are frail as humans. And so sometimes we may feel insecure And in a sense, could be rightly so, if we are weak in a particular ability and we're given a task that we feel ill-equipped for, we're going to feel insecure about that. Uh, And that is true uh, for everyone. Uh, If I run into a situation at work that I'm not trained for, uh, I'm trained for a particular type of work, I have a particular type of profession as an electrician, and it has its limitations. And if I'm faced with a problem that's kind of outside the scope of that, and yet expected to solve that, I'm going to feel insecure uh, in that. And so in a sense, that's a legitimate way of feeling insecure uh, about our abilities. But there are ways in which the enemy would want to attack that, particularly in order to undermine our calling as believers. We are weak and frail, yes. Uh, Maybe we have uh, an illness that we're embarrassed about, um, and we don't want anyone else to know because we feel insecure about that. We're concerned about what they will think of us if they realize we have this particular condition whether it's a medical condition or a mental illness or an emotional uh, situation uh, and so forth, that can play on our insecurities. Uh, but we need to recognize that whatever our abilities or disabilities are, that is not what is uh, our worth based on. Remember, our worth is based on the fact that Jesus has purchased us, those who are believers. He has died on the cross, paid a high price to redeem everyone in the whole world for this. And so whether one has a a, a tremendous ability or tremendous weakness, that is not what determines your value. Determines what you can do, determines your role, certainly. But you are valued by God regardless. And so then, of course, we may run into temptations to bolster our insecurities with overperformance in other areas and place such high emphasis on performance, performance, performance in order to maybe cover up in areas where we feel insecure, the fear of man, rather than trusting in the Lord and being confident in how he has made me and how he is developing you as we journey along life. But let's look particularly in the area of feeling insecure about our calling as believers. This is really critical because we become more vulnerable to persecution if we are insecure about our calling. It reminded me uh, in Bible class uh, this past Sunday, I, think, I believe it was this past Sunday, um, or uh, maybe two Sundays ago, where the brother uh, talked about, you know, when you were ridiculed for your faith, how did you feel? And that caused me to think of this, this concept of insecurity. If we are insecure in our faith or in some element of our faith or practicing a certain element of it, and we're ridiculed about that, we can be sure the enemy is probably going to find that out uh, through experimentation and tempting us with different things to see what works. He's not like God where he knows everything about us and knows our weaknesses. He only discovers that by 
the temptations that he puts before us. And if he finds that weakness and realizes that we're insecure about something about our faith, you can be sure he's going to target more kinds of temptations or pressure or persecution in that area because we're going to be weak there and the ridiculing of people or pressure from people or even more so peer pressure, which we'll talk about uh, in the next area about relationships, makes us much more vulnerable in those areas if we're insecure. But in regards to our calling as a responsibility, uh, we may feel insecure of what people may think of how well I will perform in this thing. So let's, for example, look in the terms of the, the, the family dynamic at home. If a father is feeling insecure about being able to pray out loud, or if a mother is feeling insecure about being praying out loud or reading the scriptures with their children, that's going to affect how well they do that. And it's going to affect the fact that they even do it at all. They may feel insecure about that and just back off and just not, not touch that. I'm not going to do that. I'm afraid of what my kids will think of me. I'm afraid of what my spouse will think of me. I'm going to be embarrassed. Uh, and so it's, it's not going to happen. Trust in the Lord as we recognize as part of our calling and responsibility and training our children in the ways of the Lord. We need to pray with them. We need to read the scriptures. We need to be uh, open to receiving hard questions that we're not going to be able to answer on the spot and maybe need some research and together with our children discover the answer in the scriptures or connect, uh, become connected to those that can help us find the answer. So there's an example of where an insecurity will affect our ability to perform in his, or to, to fulfill our calling as believers. Another example would be in sharing Christ, in, in promoting the gospel, in declaring who Jesus is and why he has come. If we're feeling insecure in that, then we're not, we're not going to venture into opportunities to witness that the Lord will have prepared us for or would desire us for. And there may be an opportunity that someone says something at work or a conversation is in a certain area and the Spirit may convict you and say, there's an opportunity to present Jesus as the solution. And we say, oh, I don't know how to explain that. I'm afraid they're going to laugh at me or I'm not going to be able to defend it well. Um, I don't know what to say. And we're feeling insecure in that and we're going to shut down. And the gospel will not have been presented in that opportunity. So you see how important this fear of man, there's an example of the fear of man, fear of what they will think, the fear of how they will react, shuts us down in our ability to be a witness for Jesus Christ. It's important to uh, be well grounded in our identity and in our in our security in Jesus in order to fulfill our calling. Lastly, let's move on to relationships. So we have many relationships. Relationships within marriage, with our spouse, with our children, extended family, uh, parent-child uh, relationships, and so forth. Relationships in the church. And so an insecure person, a person that's afraid of people's opinion, will wonder, well, will they accept me if they know this about me? And we may tend not to be open with one another. We may not, uh, as the scripture says, share your faults one, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Well, if we're insecure about something, that would be a barrier and the enemy is going to magnify that insecurity so that you don't share with that, uh, that fault or that weakness that you have or that struggle that you have because you're going to be afraid of what they think. And they think, well, what kind of Christian is that? I never struggled with that. Why would you struggle with something like that? Uh, it might be the fear that the enemy is going to play up in us to shut us down. And what he's doing 
is cutting off, in a sense, the very source of solution for that vulnerability, for that weakness, for that problem that the Lord wants you to share in order to be able to do that. And of course, we can help one another that we don't foster that kind of an atmosphere of looking down on one another. And when we find out a weakness, we kind of, you know, give some sort of reaction that feeds into their fear. We have a responsibility to participate in that, in rather participating in the ministry of affirmation and affirming one another and blessing one another so as to help minister to that. So now we'll come to this area where you will be vulnerable for temptations and to compromise. So those that are youth, you're particularly vulnerable for this area of acceptance and uh, someone loving you and paying attention to you. And those that are in their teens in particular and and, uh, older teens, just the, the whole area of the dynamics of male-female relationships, boy-girl relationships, one becomes very vulnerable about how the opposite gender looks at me. And you will do things to gain acceptance and approval and attention. And there will be those that prey on that very vulnerability. Particularly, it's usually guys preying on girls that have that kind of vulnerability and will exploit them and will lay a trap for you. And you will think that they're, they're showing love and attention to you and, wow, this is great. Nobody's paid this much attention to me. And you don't realize that you're playing into that trap because they're the, likely the kind of person that is not a healthy person to be with. They're laying a trap for you as the enemy uh, is working through them, maybe even unbeknownst to them, or maybe intentionally through them, to get you to compromise on your values, compromise on moral behaviors, moral decisions that lead to a downward slide uh, where you become entangled more and more. Jesus can rescue you from every one of those situations. He can prevent them in the first place as you trust in him and he can, and, and you would see those warning signs to not go down that road. Or if you find yourself partway down that road, call out to Jesus to reverse that trend and to uh, rescue you from that as it leads into the whole dating and romance and fornication, uh, sexual types of behaviors, or in other areas of pornography, or in areas of drugs, or other substances. Vaping is a real big uh, uh, fad uh, lately. Um, Tobacco is maybe not quite as, but that's also a snare. All these kinds of things that the enemy wants to feed people to, to bolster their vulnerabilities. This will make you uh, accepted. This will make you cool. This will gain friends and so forth. Not realizing that there is a trap behind every one of those that in some cases ensnares people for a lifetime, causing such great destruction. Beware of that. Of course, with the parent-child relationship, uh, insecurities may cause parents to behave. This is a message for parents where we may... uh, tend to be over-controlling of our, our children because we're insecure of what what's going to happen to them and so forth. And so we may want to be more controlling rather than training of uh, what they're doing. Or even in terms of um, having such a, a strong influence in our parenting of what will people think? That's sort of the first thing that crosses our mind. What will people think if they see my child doing this behavior or uh, looking this way or thinking this way or posting this online and so forth, rather than in terms of genuinely looking at the welfare of the child and is this a healthy behavior or is it not, and that being the criteria, rather than merely what do other people think. 
compared to what will God say? And at times, unwittingly, then, we would even pass on our own insecurities, our own fears, and impose them upon our children. There's many more things that we could uh, look at here, a few scriptures that can speak to this uh, in terms of, um, if we uh, look at a couple of verses here that uh, <clears throat> I've selected for that, Philippians 4, 6, um, as we think, a lot of this has to do with what we think about, and so Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. Anxiousness is a word that fits in here. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, think, uh, uh, virtuous and praiseworthy, think on these things. This is how to combat the fear of man, fill our thoughts with the things of God. Another scripture the Apostle Paul writes about bringing into the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God, pulling down strongholds and casting down every imagination and high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is how we overcome the fear of man. And we come to a place, this verse was uh, read uh, last Sunday evening as part of the closing. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. This element of fear, in contrast with love. Perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. To a certain degree, all of us have a measure of fear and insecurity. Such is the human condition. And so to whatever degree that is tonight, that the word of God has illuminated this in your life, turn to Jesus and call upon him, cast yourself upon him, trust in the Lord, and become more perfected, in the sense more mature in his love and in the security that he offers you, such that you do not have to fear the opinions of man. Amen.